the fact that he got there on Tuesday after being traded and pretty much learning an offense or parts of an offense in a three-day span um, is, I mean, like, I can't even put it into words. Like, it's a, it's, it's truly like a Christmas miracle. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Chasing It with Trey Wingo and Chase Daniel. We have, Chase, amazingly made it to the halfway point of the season as we're staring down week 10. It always is so weird to me because it feels like we wait forever for the season to start, and then it gets going. It's like, well, how are we at the halfway point already? That makes no sense to me. And when you, when you said that, we were talking in, in our production meeting, and I was like, man, how is it? I guess it's just like it's such when you're playing, like I was for the past 14 years, it is such a different feeling of like playing the week in and week out. It just seems like it just goes on forever and ever. And when you're not yeah. playing and you're hanging out, like I played in a golf tournament yesterday, I played in a scramble. Like I'm like, Oh, on a Monday, I feel like I should be doing something with football. So it goes a lot faster. I feel like when you're not in the thick of it. So I was really surprised too. And, and what, a, I mean, this past weekend was the witching hour of the yeah. early games last yeah. week was wild to me and it's just like now now I, now I actually use that term witching hour i used to not yeah. think about it at all but i'm like now as a fan and i'm watching i'm like yes like give me some good games and there was a ton of them this past weekend i'll tell scott that he needs to hit you up for royalties um please so real quickly though like before we get because we're gonna do a deep dive on every division now halfway through we're just gonna dissect them but what you just said i thought was very interesting because i talk about this with mark schlereth all the time like as a player you're excited for the season to start the yeah. first four weeks go, and then like weeks four to eleven, you're just like, let's just get through it, man. Yeah. Let's just get yeah. through it. And then when you get closer to Thanksgiving, then you sort of start to feel like, okay, there's really something to play for, right? That's that's sort of the way it is for most players, right? There's no doubt. It's just like it's like the first. You said it right on the first like quarter of the season. We used to, it used to be sixteen, so it used to be perfect right. quarters, right? Four, yeah. four, and four. The first quarter of the season is always like you just want to start fast. If you can go three and one. Or even two and two in that first quarter, if you're on a fringe team, like you're good, you feel good about it. And then weeks four to like 12, even, you're just like, all yeah. right, first of all, just stay healthy. Second of all, it's yeah. just the monotony of doing the same thing over and over. And because you'd already been in camp for a month. And yeah. so you have to go in, you have to do other things. So it, it, the middle part of the season, though, is, is, is interesting to me because it's, it's the moving part of the season, it's, it's where teams can separate themselves. And other teams can fall behind, and if you're not playing with confidence, get out of the playoff race. And it's sort of what we saw last night in that game with the Jets and the Chargers. I'm like, all right, look, we got a three and four team, and a team who's, you know, without their starter and Aaron Rodgers. And what Zach Wilson are we going to get? And it's just like, man, you come out of that game. I go into that game, excuse me, thinking the Jets are are the better team because the defense. And then yeah. you come out of the game, you're like. Well, here's the Chargers, a game out of playoff spot right now. And then that's also when, and you said it, when the playoff spot contention comes into focus and you start actually like figuring out what it is. And I can't stand people who do playoff pictures after week five. I'm like, I'm like, stop, just yep. stop. You know nothing about the squad and you know nothing yeah. about the team. And I feel like this week, this week is really the first that you could really – understand and it comes into focus on who's doing what around the around the national football league 
Well, you're so right about that because I hate the phrase, you know, if the playoffs started today. Well, they don't. (laughs) They don't start today. So don't don't give me that shit, okay? If the playoffs started today, the season would be nine games, all right? So I like. I, I hate that. You can talk about playoff seating, but you know, if the playoffs started today, they don't. So what's the fucking point? No. It makes no yeah. sense. All right. There so is let's no do point. A, there is no point. There is no Dana, only Zool. Ghostbusters. <laughs> Look it up, kids. Um, so let's, let's go through every single division where we sit uh, at the halfway point. Let's start with the NFC East. Um, we had the game on Sunday between the, the Philadelphia Eagles and the Cowboys. Eagles do what they've done. They gutted out a win. Did we learn... Did we learn enough about the Eagles in that game, or would you learn more about the Cowboys in that game going forward for the rest of the season? I honestly, like, I, I, thought, I thought going into the game, and I picked it, I thought the Eagles were just the better team overall, uh, yeah. even, even though they had that one loss, um, and the record speak for itself. But I, I came out of that game, and I honestly learned more about Dallas Cowboys and Dak Prescott on what they were able to put together and the fact that they were in the game and they had three separate chances, game of inches, right? That's why I tweeted out. I'm yeah. like, it's a game of inches right there that they, that they had. And I th- I, I, if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan like I, you've got to be feeling pretty good about where your team stands because you just went toe-to-toe with quite possibly the best team in the National Football League on the road, hostile environment. Everyone knows those Dallas. Played, played well games. in the fourth quarter. Played well in the fourth quarter, which was significant yes. for Dak and company. And yeah. Dak played – that's what I'm saying. Dak played well in the fourth quarter. Like, he yeah. played well enough to win the game. They didn't lose that game because of how Dak Prescott played. Okay, they lost the game yeah. because there was a couple key decisions that just didn't go their way. And and, and you even heard Jalen Hurts, like, for Philly, like, it's perfect time for a bye for them. Like, he's yeah. hurt. Like, the team is just, like re- – I mean, I say reeling. They're 8-1, and one, but they're really banged up injury-wise. But I think you look at that game and you look at Dallas and you say, hey – Dallas is well put through like a certain certain situations to where hey they are sort of calloused right we say yeah. that in the quarterback room and we say that in in team meetings like what does callous mean it's like hey you've had your bumps you've had your bruises but you're also feeling really good about where you're at and you're going to come out on the other side a lot stronger I really feel that way versus Dallas. Yeah, I think, I think you have to concede that Philadelphia is the best team, at least in the NFC going forward. Uh, they're on a bye with, and they play the rematch of the Super Bowl uh, with the Chiefs. We'll get to the Chiefs in a minute. That game's at Arrowhead because the Chiefs are also on a bye this coming week. But I, I do feel like Dallas might have given their fans a little hope, even though they lost another close game, because they are, they are almost impenetrable at home. They've won 11 straight home games. Uh, they've yeah. been on the road a lot the first half of the season. Uh, and that was the, by far the best showing we've seen from them on the road outside yeah. of week one against the Giants. And we're about to get into the Giants here. Uh, so I, I, I agree with you. I think Dallas has the potential to at least make it interesting down the stretch uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles in, in, uh, in terms of t- trying to win that division. Yeah. On the opposite end of the spectrum in the NFC East of the New York Giants. And I, I don't know if, if you can overstate how far this team has fallen from a year ago. They were a playoff team a year ago that won a playoff game on the road, beat a Minnesota team in Minnesota that won 13 games. Everyone was sky high going into this season. I kind of feel like they're the worst team in football right now. And I know that's saying a lot because Arizona is uh, really trying to get that Caleb Williams pick, if you know what I mean. And I think you do. Well, Kyler's not quite healthy yet. I'm not sure what's happening there. Are you saying the T word right there, yeah. Trey? And, and, and again, players can't tank. Organizations can't. You oh, understand? Okay. Players like can't that. tank. Yeah. Organizations yeah. can't. Because okay. a player tanks, you don't, get, you don't have a job. Okay? No. Yeah. You don't have a job. Organizations can tank. Players can't. 
But the Giants are an unmitigated dumpster fire. Daniel Jones now torn ACL in the first year of that contract. Everyone says it's four years, it's really two, two, two years and we'll see. There's the possibility he may never play for the Giants again. All yeah. right, they, 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 they paid Saquon a little bit of money. Uh, they thought that bringing in Darren Waller would really help them. That hasn't helped them at all. The Jordan Hyatt pick hasn't been a good one at all. Um, it, it's really hard for me to look at how far this team that was sky high and Brian Dayball was the toast of the town in his first year as a head coach yeah. of, the, of the Giants. It is an absolute dumpster fire right now. Well, you know what it uh, sort of sort of reminds me of? And the Bears were actually better in year two under Nagy than what Dayball is in year two in New York. But it reminded yeah. me of like Matt Nagy in the Chicago Bears because he was the toast of the town, and, and, and rightfully so. And we were 12-4 and four in 2000 and well, 18. 2000, 2018, 2018, yeah. and we should have been 14 2. He wins NFL Coach of the Year, Dayball, NFL Coach of the Year, and then falls from that. And it just seem, seems to be like that quarterback. Anytime you have your starter and your backup on IR, like you yeah. never imagine a season where you're having to play with your third string quarterback. Like, like yeah. DeVito never thought he would be playing. And, and what was the tweet? You tweeted out something really good. And I, I didn't get a chance to read it, but it was an article from this yeah. offseason about Mara and yeah. um, Dayball. What, what, what was the gist of that article? Because I found it pretty interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm just about to call it up right here. It was, it was at uh, the owners' meetings uh, in, in March. And, uh, you know, it was, you know, the owners, basically it's a, it's a get together and the owners talk about really important things and really beautiful resorts. <laughs> have some you know? drinks but, at beautiful yeah, they, resorts. They, they, they never have these owners meetings in like uh, uh, freaking Hoboken, you know, no. or, <laughs> or, or, or Flint, Michigan. It's you always, know, always Florida, the old people capital of the world. Really nice, warm place. <laughs> so, you know, and, and he was on Sirius XM radio and John Mara talked about this and he said about D Brian Dable, I said, we kid him. Uh, I mean, right now he's Bono walking around New York City, but I told him, I've said this, in this business, it doesn't take long to go from Bono to Bozo. So don't get your head too big right now. And just well, Great pep like, talk. Right. Well, it's also a reality check, right? Like, how many people have we seen? Like, I remember when Joe Judge got the Giants shot, people were like, oh, he's changing the culture. I'm like, you know what the culture changed? You know how long that lasts? Until the first three-game losing streak. Then the culture change yeah. doesn't yes. mean shit. Because <laughs> yeah. you can change yes. all the culture you want. If you don't change the losses to wins, the culture still sucks. All right? Yeah. So, so I, and, and, like, I have no idea if John Mara thought this might be happening or he's just sort of doing an overall big picture. But that certainly seems more ominous now in light of everything that's happened with the Giants. There's no doubt about it. And when the owner comes out and says that, you, I don't know. He, he was probably just giving, like, a reality check. I agree with you. But at the same time, I don't really want my owner, if I'm a head coach, like, saying that after I just want NFL coach. Like, I don't, I don't yeah. know if I want that. But it's just it, – it, it is hard to watch. And, and I do a studio show every Friday with NFL Network. And Mike Yam, who is the host of the show, NFL Total know, Access Mike. on Fridays, he might be – and I, you better damn well be sure I'm going to send him this clip. He might be the biggest Giants fan of all time. And every single week – That's a week, bold statement. He, dude, I'm telling you, it's insane. Every single week he does this yam sweet pick segment, and he always ends up picking the Giants, no matter if they're favored by 30 or they're they're you know under by 30. It doesn't matter. And yeah. he just goes on and on and on. And I'm just like, dude, when will you understand? Like the Giants are right now not a good team. Like their defense was really good last year. They won a lot of games probably that they shouldn't have last year. But the way it's going, um, 
I, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's what it's like. Will Daniel Jones ever be the quarterback in New York again? Hard to tell, right? Like, don't know enough in, about, his, yeah. about his injury. But if they continue to go like this, then you got to imagine their eyes are on the future in a quarterback that's really heavy, heavy-loaded class that's coming around. If they get a top four pick, top five pick, you got to imagine that they're probably thinking – hmm, should I spend this pick on another franchise quarterback? And the answer is probably yes. Well, I mean, first of all, I feel really comfortable in saying the Giants will probably have a top five pick. Now, the Bears have two okay. of them, let's be clear. <laughs> yeah. Yes, but, yep. but, uh, but I, you know, we could be staring at a situation where the Giants and the Patriots both have top five picks. Oh I mean, that's how, that's how bad this has been for those storied franchises. But, like, okay, so if you're... If you're the Giants, like, how do you fix this going forward? This season is lost. It's a wash. I mean, you know, they, I, obviously, I mean, Tyrod was a really good signing. It made sense because he was a veteran quarterback, but he got injured. So th- there's no way to salvage this season. So th- you have to do the thing where you're salvaging the future. And yeah. it starts with that decision at quarterback, right? There's no doubt. It starts with the decision at quarterback, and you got to understand what you ended up paying this guy, what you – the dead cap, all that stuff that goes into it. He might get another year, but at the end of the day, you got to have a little bit more. The playmakers aren't that bad on that side of the ball. Like Darren Waller's out, obviously. Saquon, good. Don't know if he's going to be there uh, in the future. And you just got to start thinking from a financial aspect. If you're the owner, where can I save some money and really think this? Think of this as like a two to three year plan on getting back. And do I cut everyone that makes over? you know, 20 million, just go full on rebuild? Or is it just sort of like you're just building for the future with certain things, but it starts and ends with the quarterback position like it does. And at any sport, like it's the most important position in all of sports. So that's just something that, uh, you know, I don't have the answer for. And quite honestly, I don't know if they have the answer on how to fix what's happening in New York right now. Well, let's be honest. That's the most frustrating thing, right? Like if you can, if you can figure out what the problem is, then you can fix it. And right now, they have so many things that they're working with. Because, look, the offensive line has also been a disaster, let's be clear. Yes. So th- yeah. they've got to figure out what the problem is before they can address to fix it. Obviously, quarterback is a huge part of that. All right, let's move on to the AFC East. Chase, you and I have been saying this since the start of the season. And Buffalo did it again last uh, on Sunday. Uh, they lose in Cincinnati 24-18. Uh, to 18, Get it, close game, all that kind of stuff. Here are the cold hard facts when it comes to the Buffalo Bills. They can't play on the road. They can't yeah. play on the road. London is considered a neutral site, so we'll, we'll consider it uh, <laughs> away from Orchard Park. In Orchard Park this year, they're 4-0, and they do what is necessary to win. Away from Orchard Park, they're 1-4, and they do what is necessary Jeez. to lose. And this yeah. just in, they're not getting home field advantage. Okay, yeah. They may not have a home playoff game this year the way Miami Dolphins are playing. We'll get to that in a second. So what are your concerns for the Buffalo Bills? Because I've said this before, and I'll say it again. I believe this in, in uh, this. In, in a, what's the word I'm looking for? This version yeah. of the Buffalo Bills peaked with 13 seconds left to play two years ago in the AFC Divisional Round against Kansas City. Yeah, there's no doubt. And that's another thing that's frustrating for me because as, as somebody who really likes watching Buffalo, love Sean McDermott, love Josh Allen and how he plays, it's really hard to point your finger at something. And it's, it, it, it's not just this one thing. You can't just say, hey, it's Josh Allen turning the ball over. He's going to do it. Well, well to not, be fair, to like, be fair, nine, 92, yeah. I think now. 92 since 2018, yeah. by far the most of any player in the NFL over that time frame. That's a lot. It's a lot. Um, and, look, it's, it's Josh. But they're, they're not moving on from Josh. Josh Allen's going to be there until no. he retires. Like, like that's, that's the thing about this is, like, all right, what around him needs to change? Well, I've always said it, and I don't know if this is always the case, but they don't have a run game. 
Like they, they just it's it's like Josh Allen. You Josh Allen stats, is the running game. It's Josh the, run game. the running game. You look at yeah. the stats. It's Josh Allen at the end of the day, leading rusher. And I'm not saying that's the only problem, but that defense is playing okay. And obviously, like Leslie Frazier left, and then Sean McDermott's calling the plays. And there's just a lot of of things happening. That, and, and now, to their credit, they've had a ton of injuries. And yeah, it just on the defensive side specifically. On the defensive side specifically, and so. The depth is still there because they're still playing pretty well. And Joe Burrow right now might be playing some of the best ball in the National Football League. But, like, that's what – so, like, to hold them to 24 points, I love it. Like, like three – like, it's good. Um, But it just doesn't seem like they have a run game and it doesn't seem like they play well outside of Buffalo. And that, to me, has always been the case. Like, you know, you go on the road, you you give Kansas City the business every once in a while, and then you're really good at home – and you can't play on the road. So teams that can't travel on the road, um, you know, aren't going to go far in the playoffs. Yeah, just something's not right. We, we talked about it since the summer. Something just has felt off, and now it's sort of uh, manifesting itself in the way they're losing these games. Yeah. Speaking of losing games, I love, I love Mike McDaniel, love the Dolphins, but the bottom line is this. Yeah. They can't beat a good team, okay? And this year, when they play teams over 500, 0-3. When they play losing teams, 5-0. and But it's, it's more than that. They have lost six straight games dating back to last season. And some of that is mitigated by the Tua concussion situation. Yeah. I understand that. The last team they beat with a winning record was week three a year ago when Buffalo went down to Miami and had that crazy game where they went up and down wow. the field and couldn't score when they got into the red zone. And they hung on to – and then the Dolphins hung on to win. They've lost six straight games – against teams with a winning record. So if you're, you're the Dolphins organization and you have all that flash, and we saw a little bit of it Sunday in Frankfurt, Germany, and we'll get to the Chiefs, so we'll get to the Chiefs in a minute. But what do you do? Because that's the thing now. You have a label in Miami. Hey, yeah. beat up on the bad teams, can't beat the good teams. How do you address that in the locker room? Well, you can't address it. All you have to do is you have to go out there and do it. Like, like everyone knows, they, they know that they can't that they are not beating these top tier teams that they're anyone with a winning record. That's exactly what they're doing. They're losing to teams and winning and they're getting, they're smoking like bad teams. And so it's like, well, how do you justify where they rank in the tier levels of the NFL? Like, like, like teams, it's impossible yeah. to rank them because yes, they're really good. And quite honestly, look, I, I actually liked how they played against the chiefs and they, they ended up, they were down 21, nothing came back. Made it a game, 21-14, errant snap, like worst way to end a game. Um, and so they showed that fight, but there's no moral victories. At the end of the day, you have to go out there and you ha- actually have to be able to do it. And, and like for you to have success, you got to believe that you can do it. Okay, that's half the battle, but you actually have to go out there and do it. And you got to do it against really good teams or come playoff time, which they're probably going to end up getting the playoffs because I, th- I think they'll, I think they're a good enough team for it. And I think like, you know, offenses and defenses are going to like figure it out. But when you get into playoff time, you have to have this unwavering belief as a team yeah. that you can get the job done. And quite honestly, they have not had a, uh, a quote unquote, really good win. And, and like, yeah. like a, like a premier moment, and so that plays into the psyche within the locker room a little bit. I'm going to be honest with you because you're thinking like, well, what the hell are we doing wrong? Because we're smoking bad teams 
and we're not getting necessarily blown out by good teams other than the Eagles and Buffalo. But like they they stuck well, with the Eagles. KC. The Eagles game was a one possession game. They stuck yeah. with KC. They stuck. With, yeah. They got blown out by Buffalo. They got yeah, they got they blown, got blown out, out by Buffalo. Buffalo. And and so you look at those and you're just like, okay, that's great. That's a moral victory, sort of say. But how do we? And I don't know the answer. How do we flip a switch to under? And it's almost to a point where it's been so bad that they're probably in their mind thinking we have to do this. We yeah. have to get over this hump. We ha- and that's probably the absolute worst thing to think as an NFL yeah. player. Because yeah. when you're thinking that, you're not going out there and playing. You're just going to go out there and think about doing – like you have to be in this free flow state. And I'm not saying they're, they're, they are, but I'm just thinking in their locker room, they're probably like hearing all the noise on the outside because how is it how, – how can you not? And then they just got to get back to work. Like they got to get back to work and they got to get a signature win to get that confidence and that psyche built up in that locker room for, to carry them throughout the rest of the year, I think. Okay, so to give me as a player what you would want to hear in that situation. Like if you're in that situation and you're like, man, like for example, when you, got, when you were with the Chargers, you guys could not beat the Chiefs. You couldn't beat them, right? They, the yeah. Chiefs would always come back and stab you in the heart. So what, it, what do you need to hear from a coach or a coaching staff and organization in this situation when the players are doing exactly what you're saying they're doing. They're thinking about it way too much. I want to hear the truth. I want to hear the truth on what my head coach and what my coaching staff thinks is the problem. And they probably have a really good feel within that locker room because it's a great coaching staff. It really is. They have a plan in place to, hey, this is what we need to do. And it, and it and honestly, it might just be a little bit of like bad luck. Like I like truly like it, it the the snap at the end of the game like that's just that doesn't really happen very much yeah. like and so you can point to probably and we have said I've said this before you can point to probably five to ten plays each game on offense okay and yeah. you probably have sixty five plays on offense the entire game but those five to ten plays will determine the outcome of the game so what I'm seeing in Miami is against these good teams those five to ten plays that put the game into a microscope and that people are really focusing on those get those plays are not being made. And so they're being made by the good teams. They're not being made by Miami. And to me, that is the difference. Yeah. And again, like you just have to find a way to make, make those winning moments, but until they do, no one's going to believe them. And that's the biggest problem for the, for the Miami dolphins. Yeah. All right. The Miami dolphins last played the Kansas city chiefs chiefs going to their bye week at seven and two, uh, there, there are two ways you can look at the Chiefs, right? And I, I can't fault you for either way. One, they got real problems on offense, like yeah. real problems on offense. Uh, they scored the first drive they scored. Then they had a 13-play, 95-yard touchdown drive against, uh, against the Dolphins, which was if you could draw up how the Chiefs are going to win, that would be it. Rasheed Rice caught a third, critical third down catch. Kadarius Toney had a big play over the middle. Sky Moore showed up, had a big catch to move them into scoring range, and then Jet McKinnon underneath in a perfect Kansas City system checks out, strolls in for an easy touchdown. You see flashes of it. But at at the end of the day, their wide receivers aren't winning. Their play calling is still a problem. And uh, this is the worst offensive output we've seen in Patrick Mahomes' career. I put that in perspective this way. Since he became the starter, they've never averaged less than 28 points a game. Uh, They're averaging just about 22 and a half, 23 right now. And they've already scored less than 24 points six times this season. They did it three times last year. So that's when you look at Kansas City, you say, these are the problems and they need to be addressed. Yeah. But here's here's the other side. That's wild. Yeah, here, here's the other side, Chase. They're seven and two. They're the number one seed in the AFC. 
They have the best defense they've ever had that keep closing out games, and you have to believe that eventually Mahomes and company on offense will figure it out. Where do you sit? Yeah, I mean, that's a scary <laughs> that's a scary thought for teams when you're like, yo, Mahomes is averaging 22 points a game and pretty much a touchdown less than what he's doing, and we just can't score on this defense. And yeah. defense wins championships. This is definitely, other than Baltimore, this is my second-ranked defense in all of football. Like, yeah. it, it is just – it is hard to move the ball. And that's what makes good defenses is when you make – uh, the hard that like it, it, you make the easy throws look really hard, and so yeah. everyone is always on that defense. They're always around the ball. They're always contesting throws. They're always close to the passer, and it's just a relentless pursuit of excellence on that side of the ball, which starts with Spags, and then you move on the offensive side of the ball. And I've watched tape, and I've broken them down, broke broke them down, and it just is interesting to me because. Everyone knows it's it's it is the receiver room, which is the weakness of that team. That is that is yeah. not new news, as right. Travis Kelsey and his show would like to say. New, new news. <laughs> but what is new to me is I think, and I need some more video. But I think that teams are learning how to play the Chiefs. See. Truly, I I really do. I don't know because at first, like the first four or five weeks, I'm like, what is happening? And they had that output against Chicago, which was really good. But Chicago's defense is awful. And, and they played well against the Chargers. And they played well against the Chargers in the first half, but then laid an egg in the second half. So I'm like, all right, what's happening? And I, I just look at it, and, and I can't really pinpoint, but I do think that teams are finally, after five to six years of seeing Patrick Mahomes, they're, they're trying to take away what he does best, and it's those, those junk ball down plays where he's moving around in the pocket, where he's getting outside. of the, Like every team is just sort of mush rushing, mush mush rushing them and what does that mean that means just trying to keep him in the pocket because when you keep him in the pocket and you lock down these receivers and man coverage because they don't have any true like true true deep threats I think that's what teams are doing so so it's taking away the easy completions for Patrick Mahomes making him hold the ball but when he's holding the ball he's having to stay in the pocket and so a lot of Patrick Mahomes is like star-studded plays where are they at they're in the red zone and they're out of the pocket Okay, so yeah. teams are doing a lot better job. So you got to give teams, especially Vic Fangio, I thought he had a, a really, really good plan against them. Because yeah. you hold them to two touchdowns, right? I mean, two touchdowns, yeah. they scored once on defense. And, and really, other than, other than the first drive of the game, you hold them to one touchdown for the rest of the game on offense. Yeah. Like, that, to me, is really good. So they had a good defensive plan. At the end of the day, I think they're going to be just fine um, because of that defense. But I do agree, like, you got to figure out – how to combat what other teams are doing against you because they've sort of switched up what you're used to seeing. Well, listen, I, I put something on Twitter after the game. It was a poll. Uh, I said the Chiefs' offense issues are basically because of, and these were the four options I gave, wide receivers not winning one-on-ones, play calling, league is caught up, or all of the above. Uh, 43% said wide receivers not winning one-on-ones. And I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. Uh, and the second was all of the above. Only 8% said the league is caught up, but I think you're right. Like, Mahomes, the, the offensive line is so good right now. Like, yeah. on a lot of those plays, he has five seconds before he's even thinking about what to yeah. do. And so the coverage, to me, that's where it dictates to what you said, uh, the way they're keeping him in the pocket and also the coverage issues with one-on-ones. I, I think that's a huge part of it. But do you have confidence in that wide receiver room that they will be good enough going forward? 
I think they're going to be fine. I, th- I think eventually, like, like you just have to actually go out there and do it. And what does that mean by do it? Well, you have to get experience playing with Patrick Mahomes. You have to get experience with yeah. Patrick Mahomes in the meeting rooms and how he expects things to be run. And also, they, like, they're, they're really good at making in-game adjustments. So you got to be actually uh, able to actually experience in-game adjustments and actually going out there and having success doing that. And I think they'll be fine. Look, at the end of the year, though, whatever happens with them, like they have to revisit that receiver room. They have to go out. And I know Kelsey is the number, but they have to go out and get a legit number one receiver. I'm not saying Rasheed Rice can't be that because he's played really, really well. However, I think they're a receiver or two short from being unstoppable, honestly, on offense. Yeah, I agree with you. And by the way, for all the people criticizing Mahomes, I'm just going to say this, okay? We just talked about how the play calling – by the way, before I go anywhere else, God, it drives me crazy, Andy. Andy Reid's kryptonite is third and one, okay? Andy Reid's kryptonite, and maybe Matt Nagy too, third and one. Okay, four minutes left in the game. It's 21 to 14. You run on first down. You get a short pass, or or you pass to Kelsey, and then you get Pacheco almost to the – like it's a third and less than a yard. And they yeah. try that little drag across the middle. <laughs> My God, you have arg- arguably the three best interior linemen in football in Tooney, Trey Smith, and Creed Humphrey. They are fucking war daddies, okay? They are horses. You need a half a yard, run it up their ass. Just run really it up their feel? ass. How it drives really? me crazy. <laughs> oh, let's do this. Oh, let's motion this way. That. No, Pacheco is the angriest runner of all time, and he'll get it for you. Just shove it up their ass, and you don't have to worry about a bad snap at the end of the game with Tua to hang on for dear life. You could have run out the damn clock, and you know this because you've been with him in two different places. It drives me crazy where he just goes, he loses his mind on third and one. Oh, my God. I know what our social clip's going to be this week. How do you really... Am I wrong? Am I wrong? (laughs) No, you're not wrong. Thank you. No, you're not wrong. Why does he do that? I don't don't understand. So so I got to ask that. I I do a a local radio hit um, in KC every morning, play Monday morning quarterback, and that was one of the things they asked. And, And... and look, I, I, I like the, the direct run. You're never going to quarterback sneak with Patrick Mahomes again with what happened in Denver, like ever. Okay, so, you know, get, get Travis Kelsey under center, quarterback sneak, whatever, push push with Kelsey or Blake Bell or whatever. But I, I do think in certain situations, Andy Reid's play call sheet is it's on third and short, right? It's its own section. Yeah. It's two to three runs and two to three passes. And usually the passes, there's one under center, like, doing all this crazy stuff, and there's some fun stuff with it. And I just think this pass game, I think they used all the runs because sometimes he'll go into the red zone and he'll be like, oh, we need a yard on second and one. Let's pull a short yardage play. So I think this past game, they truly just ran out of plays because they were in a decent amount of, of short yardage situations. However, it's still just like, call it again. But that's not how he is. Off. He doesn't like calling plays again. Do this. Just do this. Get the angry guy to get a yard. Just do this. I don't understand. And last thing, we'll move on. For all the people that are bagging on Mahomes, right? Oh, he's, this is his worst year ever. He has 17 touchdown passes. The league lead is 19. Uh, he's third in passing yards. Okay, like he's still producing at a ridiculous level. It's just the, he's, he's having to will it into existence in a lot of ways. There's people um, out there bagging on him? Oh, always. Yeah, always. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's unbelievable. They don't know like, football. They don't know football. No, they, well, for years it was the almost interceptions. That was, yeah. oh, look yeah. at things, things that were almost intercepted or callback because of penalties. And I'm like, you know what they're called? Not plays or incompletions. 
That's yeah. what they are. And a lot of those interceptions because he knew he had a free play. But that's yeah. a separate issue entirely. The other thing as we go forward in the AFC West is what to expect of the new and improved Raiders. You mentioned the Chargers, and we'll get to that in a yeah. second. But what do we expect of the Raiders? Uh, it's, to me, watching that game against the Giants, it's clear they really hated Josh McDaniels. Okay, Leslie, they, they, that was very clear to me how much the team did not like. I, I don't say hate may be a strong word, but it was pretty clear to me that the Raiders players were not fans of their head coach with the way they played against the Giants. Now, I understand it's the Giants, and if you can't beat the Giants, you should be relegated, like English Premier League. You should be relegated, okay? <laughs> you should go somewhere else with the incarnation of the Giants. Yeah. But what, what, are your, what are your expectations for this team going forward? I love what Antonio Pierce did. Yeah. They asked him about it at a press conference. He bought all the practice squad players and had them on the sidelines uh, for the game. And he said, look, they're yeah. part of this team. They're busting their ass every day in practice. I want them to be here because I want them all to get elevated to the active roster. I freaking love that. I love Dude, that. It's amazing. And honestly, yeah. he, he, he won over the locker room just with that. Like, like yeah. it just, just from doing these small things that a lot of people don't understand are huge deals to players, but there's 16 guys on the practice squad. Of course, do you, do you think they want to be in the practice squad the whole, their whole life? No, they want to be elevated. Yeah. So, like, come, come be a part of the team. And he said, we're going to need every single one of them. And I just really like what AP was able to do from his opening press conference with, with, uh, with Champ Kelly and, and, and just saying, just being truthful and just being a yeah. real person with emotions and a vision. And when you, hear, when you hear Josh talk to the media, it was just like all coach talk. He was trying to be like Bill Belichick and just mom. And it's just, it's just like yeah. it just gets old. Like how many people other than Mike Vrabel, that's, this is a whole different story, how many people other than Mike Vrabel have been successful going from the Patriots, okay, and trying to run the Patriots way? Like it just – it doesn't I'll give work. I'll give Bill I'll give Bill O'Brien a little bit of credit when he was with the Texans. They found a way to sneak into the playoffs a bunch of times. But you're right, yeah. whether it's Romeo Cornell or or whomever, it just there had there Matt hasn't Patricia. been yeah there has Joe oh. Judge oh dear God yes. there oh. there hasn't there hasn't been a a Bill Belichick coaching tree anything close to the Kyle, Mike Shanahan coaching tree. It's not no, even, it's it, not even a debate. It's not even an opinion. It's yeah, a fact. and so and so a lot of times. Guys just sour on it. Like, football, and this is, he put it so, like, as a player, I was fired up. Football is a game. You're playing a little boy's game with grown men, okay? And there's a lot that goes into it. But at the end of the day, don't overcomplicate it. And when you play games, you're supposed to have fun. Like, don't let the fun go out of it. Because teams yeah. I've been on and locker rooms I've been on, if you're able to go out there and actually have fun while you play, like success will come. You saw them smoking cigars in the locker room after, like bumping music, like all this stuff. I'm not saying that's going to, because their roster still isn't great. I'm not, I'm not going to say they're going to go on this playoff run, but it just reinvigorates a locker room that will want to go out there and practice harder, play harder, because they can have fun with it. it just, it's, it, it's really not rocket science. And when head coaches come in, and try to complicate things. Like at the end of the day, you got to trust your locker room, and you got to yeah. trust those guys. That yeah, they're going to have fun, but they're going to get the job done. And that's exactly what we showed. I mean, who knows? This might catapult them. But like uh, AP, Antonio Pierce, like what a what a way to start your NFL career as a head coach. Like, dude, what? Yeah. Well, it's like remember Jeff Saturday won his first game last year, beating the Raiders as the Colts, and then this seems different. This seems different. It, it, well, listen, Antonio's done a great job. He was he was yeah. on the staff. He was at Herm Edwards' staff at Arizona State. I'm a big believer in Antonio Pierce. I yeah. want to be clear about yeah. that. But we'll we'll see what happens with them going forward. All right, real quickly before we move on uh, to the NFC, the Chargers. 
Do we think that right now they're out of playoff position? Do we think they have the team in them to make a run to get back to where they were a year ago and get into the postseason? They definitely have the team to do it, for sure. And then you you win these last two games and you sort of got a little momentum, right? And that's the biggest thing, especially because, look, I picked them to to win on the road in New York, even though that defense was there. And then you get a punt return. And we talked about this pre-show. Like, the the stats, once you have a punt return touchdown of winning NFL games, like 95% of the time, if you have a special teams touchdown – in a game, you're going to win. And listen, I know it's against Zach Wilson. I know it gets, it gets that patchwork offensive line. But it's still hard to take take the ball away three times and have eight eight sacks, like seven sacks. Yeah. Like, it's it's hard to do. So, they're rolling a little bit. And it, and, and it seems like if you look last year at the Chargers' schedule and you, you look in about game 10 is when their defense really, really went from, like, bottom of the league – and you take the last like six games of the year, they were top five in the last six games of the year. It seems to me that they've almost maybe found that a lot earlier in the year, right? Seven yeah. games in. And so if their offense can get rolling, and listen, that was a there that's a crazy tough defense for the Jets. Yeah. But if you tell me that Justin Herbert has his worst career stat game and they're able to win on the road the way they did against a team that very well could be in the playoffs. It's got to build that momentum and that confidence within that locker room to, hey, we can play with some of the best defenses, and we're going to need everyone. We're not going to just need the offense scoring 35 points. We're going to need that defense. We're going to need the special teams. Uh, we're going to need everyone uh, for one goal. And, and I do think, I mean, they've all, that's never been the question, right, Trey? They, 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 they've always no. had the team. They've always had the team. It's just you got to go out there and do it. And, and, I mean, I like the way they're playing right now. You know, you look at the schedule, it's, it's hit or miss coming up. But I think, they got, I think they got a shot at putting something together here. Well, listen, it doesn't get any easier for them. they got the Lions, the Ravens, Ravens uh, yeah. the Bills, and the Chiefs uh, still to play for, yeah. for the Chargers. So that, that schedule is going to be problematic for them. We'll get to the Jets and something for Aaron Rodgers a little bit later. But let's move on to the NFC West. And this, this was a first as we go forward now. I don't think I've ever seen a team win in a bye week before. But the Niners <laughs> certainly did with how bad yes, the Seahawks looked against the Ravens. I mean, wow. you know, the, the Seahawks were riding some optimism. The 49ers had lost three in a row. And, uh, you know, they find that fluke win against, uh, against the Browns where an interception bounces off Jamal Adams' helmet into, <laughs> into somebody else's arms, and that is, sets up the game-winning oh, wow. score. Uh, are, are, we, are we out on Seattle right now? Because they, they just got thrashed by Baltimore. Yeah. Well, I th- I, I'm definitely not out on Seattle. Like, I really, really like Seattle, especially defensively, even though they gave up all those points. Um, but I think it's more to say about uh, Baltimore. And we'll get into them later, but we'll I think Baltimore, Baltimore yeah. is legit. But I, I love Seattle. And look, you go on the road and you're able to, you know, they're usually really good on the road. That's what makes this a little bit concerning is they travel really, really well. They travel the most miles every yeah. single year. But I just, I go back to Pete Carroll. Like, I love the guy. Like, the guy's got this infectious energy to get stuff fixed. I think Gino is having another great year. And, and you uh, know, they're five and three. It's not, it's he's not, been, it's he's not been horrible. okay. He's been okay. Yeah. He's but, been significantly worse than last year. Yeah, I mean, last year was like, you know, catching fire in a bottle, like magic in a bottle. Like, it's yeah. not, like, yeah. going to do that every time. But I do think that they're defense. I'm going to go with lightning in a bottle. Let's legit. go with lightning yeah. in a bottle yeah. instead there of fire, fire in a bottle. Fire. I like Light. fire, though. Fire in the bottle is good. Yeah. 
Yeah, but the, but then the bottle, bottle would melt. Let's go. Let's just go with lightning in a bottle. Let's just go with lightning in a bottle. Let's just move on. From My wife's gonna make so much fun of me for that. <laughs> I, okay, so who do you have more faith in, San Francisco or Seattle? San Fran. Yeah. I think. I think. So I think. Too. I think you're going to see San Francisco out of this bye week. Just come out as, and you saw last year with Cincy during the middle of the year there was this like little okay. down down area, and then it propelled them. And it happened with the Rams a couple years ago when they went to the Super Bowl had a little bit of a down area, and then propels them. I think they're learning a lot about themselves. I think that defense is going to get fixed. And honestly, like Brock Purdy's not the problem. Like, don't even come at me with that. Like, no one at all because. He, other than a couple throws that were – some of them were concussed. Some of them weren't. Like, he's playing really well. And don't – and honestly, though, but it's out there. Like, you're telling me – people are telling me Sam Darnold can play better than Brock Purdy. And nothing against Sam Darnold, but there's just absolutely no way. So, just keep on keeping on. Um, yeah. it, sometimes that's the best time to have a bye week when you've just gotten crushed. Like, just reset. Get away from it all. Refocus because they got a, they got a big run coming up. Yeah, plus getting Chase Young also probably helped. Chase Young off, off Bosa is probably going to help them going forward. All right, I think we have to pay homage going forward to the Minnesota Vikings. And I, you might be more well-equipped to explain how hard it was what Joshua, Jobs, Joshua Dobbs did for the Minnesota Vikings five days after getting there than anybody else in football. Like, yeah. the, the, the Falcons are – an interesting team. They, they went into that game statistically as the sixth best defense in football on the road. Um, that was a really bad loss for them. And I don't, you know, they got to figure their, their shit out. Yeah. But I, I, you cannot say enough about what Josh Dobbs did in that situation. Gets there five days later, is not expected to play. Jaron Hall gets racked trying oh, to go gosh, for that score right good. by the goal line. And Josh, I mean, Chase, he was taking snaps with the first-team offensive line on the sidelines just so they could get used to his cadence. Now, explain to people why that is so significant. Well, it's, the be- it's honestly the best performance I've seen all year, and it's not even close. He had three touchdowns in Arizona uh, last week. He had three touchdowns with Minnesota this week, like first to ever do it, six touchdowns, two weeks, two separate teams. And the fact that he got there on Tuesday after being traded and pretty much learning an offense – or parts of an offense yeah. in a three-day span um, is, I mean, like, it, I can't even put it into words. Like, it's, a, it's, it's truly like a Christmas miracle. It, it, like, it, it, it just makes no sense whatsoever how he could even go out there remotely and operate an offense, and especially when you're on the, like you said, you're on the sideline. I saw that tweet. I'm like, this is insane. He's all five offensive linemen are surrounded around him. He's taking snaps from the center and they're going through all five cadences. I'm like, dude, you don't need all five. Just, just do silent count. Be done with it. But just the amount of detail that he wants, like I want to make sure I have that in the back of my head. And then like you actually watch the game, which I broke it down every single play. I watched every play of the game and the first, like, 15 plays of were not it was like rough. His, it was safety rough. couple of fumbles Calais Campbell yeah couple fumbles um you know both fumbles he's trying to throw it but just fumbles and they get the ball back good job by the defense holding them and then and then they started getting to a little bit of a rhythm when Kevin O'Connell put him in shotgun and put him in no huddle and said hey look we're gonna get to the line with 30 seconds I got 15 seconds to talk to you I'm gonna tell you what you have on your left I'm gonna tell you what you have on your right I want to tell you what coverage it is like I've never ever seen that happen and I think that's why Kevin O'Connell was like this is a, a win that I will always remember you're down to your third quarterback you're going for three in a row against a six-ranked defense 
on the road. Okay, first of all, just take away the fact that Josh Dobbs has no freaking idea what these play concepts are. I guarantee you he watched no film on the Atlanta Falcons' defense. Yeah. And they're going up there. They're in odd spacing with all mugs. They're blitzing eight. They're dropping out eight. And so for him to do that without even preparing really to face a defense because all you're worried about is going out there and learning the offense, it is truly the best performance I've seen in a very, very long time. Can they hang on in a division with the Lions? I mean, I think they can hang on. I, I, I don't know if they're going to win the division, but if they stay – a couple games above 500, they can sneak into the playoffs. And, and with Dobbs doing what he does, and he's going to get more and more comfortable with the offense. I mean, listen, at the end of the day, they, they're playing well. They don't, have, they don't have the best receiver in football still. He should be coming back if he's going to be coming back, okay? And then you got Josh Dobbs out there. And, I mean, this is why you traded for him. But did, surely yeah. you did not expect he was going to be playing on no. the road in Atlanta. No. One last thing about Dobbs. People might have not heard this fact, but I – did the draft when he came out. His uh, major at the University of Tennessee was aerospace engineering. He's Smart literally guy. a rocket scientist. <laughs> literally, literally a rocket scientist. A rocket scientist. And he's gone and done two internships at NASA during his NFL time. They call Did him you the see NASA gave him a, he gave yeah, him a shout out? Sweet. Yeah, they call yes. him the, past, the pastronaut, which I love oh that. So God. you cannot tip of the cap to Josh <laughs> Dobbs for the things he did. It was absolutely remarkable. All right. Uh, we mentioned the Ravens earlier in talking about Seattle. Uh, there are few certainties in life. Death taxes and the Ravens over an NFC team. With Lamar Jackson as their starting quarterback, they're 18-1 and one against the NFC. Yeah. This team, to me, out of all the teams in the AFC, and I know this is a sacrilege because we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get to the Bengals in a minute, I really think Baltimore has the best chance of dethroning Kansas City with the way their defense plays. I mean, their oh. defense is scary good right now. It's it, – like, I literally put – like, if you had to rank the AFC teams, like, I would put Ravens right now as number one. Like, do, yeah. I'll be completely honest. Over the Chiefs because what they're doing – like, it took them a little bit. If you really dig in to the weeds on the offensive side of the football, it took them a few weeks to get rolling with Todd Monk and understanding what was expected out of Lamar. And then Lamar sort of burst on the scene and, quite honestly – um, is probably the MVP front runner right now, in yeah. my opinion, the way they're playing. Um, and it also helps when you have the best defense in, in, in football. I mean, it, it's like, it, it is like historically good. I don't know what the stats are, but I know I, I saw some that is like insane start to the year. And it just finally looks like Harbaugh has a team that is not going to lose in the first round of the playoffs or is not yeah. going to lose in the second round. It might have a, a, a deep run for it. It's, it's like tied for their second best start in franchise history. Um, and then you just got to keep gaining that confidence. And, and obviously, playing in Baltimore is is very difficult. Like, I, like one of the harder places to play, not necessarily from a crowd noise standpoint, but of just historically you're flying into D.C., you're going up to Baltimore, and then you're playing, and it's always, like, bad weather. It's always cold. It's always slippery. It's always wet. And the fans are packed. And it's just I've always had bad luck. Like, I don't know if I've won a game there in all yeah. my years and so they play really well at home so that's the race for me is like hey are you going to do enough you're you're doing really well right now are you going to do enough to snaggle that that number one seat away from the Chiefs that's that's the storyline for me yeah and, and uh listen the Bengals look great Joe Burrow looks healthy here's my problem for the Bengals going forward 
Yeah. Look at their division. The Ravens are seven and two. Everyone else is five and three, yeah. right? Like it's a good division. Look, it's a very, very good division. <laughs> it's a tough division. So I'm not saying they can't do it. I'm yeah. just saying it's not like other divisions where okay we're rolling now and everything's gonna go. No, Cleveland's defense is legit. I, I don't understand how the Steelers win almost every week, but they do. I don't. You know, that's the magic of Mike Tomlin. Like, they just find a way to win. And we I mean, just it's talked the best about, division in football right now. Yeah, and we talked about Baltimore. My only concern for the Cincinnati Bengals is their division. How much of a, yeah. of a concern is that for you with this team? Well, uh, a lot, because they're going to end up beating up on each other. There's going to be these tight division games, and everyone's going to beat up on each other. But at the end of the day, um, I mean, I think right now, right, Trey, you probably know all four teams from the AFC North are in the playoffs right now, yeah, if, you, if right. it ended today. All four. Right. So, like, you can imagine. But it's never been done. Don't ever, don't ever say that again, because the playoffs don't start today. It, we're don't we're, we're do far it. enough into the season. Week 10, don't we're going. Do we're it. rolling, baby. But no. it's, just, it's just interesting to me that the – the Bengals, and it all it all starts with Joe Burrow. He's healthy now. Yeah. He's rolling. He's confident, which is more scary than anything. And honestly, that defense under Lou is like, they're legit. They're really, really good. And they yeah. the fact that, I don't know after this week, but the Bengals were the worst offense in football. And they the were still three weeks. Yeah. through the first three weeks. And they're still five and three, right? Like, like yeah. to me, that, that says a lot about your defense and how well it's playing. Yeah, it's Lou Anarumo, by the way, the defensive coordinator for the uh, Bengals. He's got to be getting a head coaching interview sometime soon. All right, let's move on to the NFC South. No, let's not because no team is interesting and they haven't oh proven they're worthy of discussion. So when you guys want to figure out something that's interesting for us to talk about, we'll, we'll talk, talk about, about your teams because you guys just screw it up every week. So somebody does something good one week, somebody does <laughs> yeah. something bad one week. Done. I don't need to talk about the NFC South. C.J. Stroud and the Texans. Wow. I cannot get over how good this kid is. And just so people understand, he already has more touchdown passes in his career than Kenny Pickett has in his, and Kenny was drafted in 2022. Wow. Okay? That's insane. That, like, yeah. Think about it. He has more touchdown passes than Kenny Pickett. First rookie ever with 450 yards passing and five touchdown passes in a game. A youngest player to ever do that. Patrick Mahomes was the youngest. He did it, uh, I think, in his second year uh, in the league. And this guy did it. And I think he's proving all the doubters wrong. And you just got to take your hat off to the way this guy has stepped up to the plate. What is, what is it you like most about what you see in C.J. Stroud? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm glad you asked that because literally right before the show, I broke down. I, I went down and I, lo- I watched, rewatched the All-22 version of the film. And it, it, was, it was one of the best. I don't care about if you're a rookie or not. Like the dude, he missed some throws. Like the yeah. dude could have had 600 yards and six touchdowns. Yeah. That's how good of a performance it was. And it started with the offensive plan. But you look at C.J. Stroud and the way he handles himself on the football field within a pocket is some of the best quarterbacking I've seen in a long, long time. He does not look like a rookie back there in that pocket. And I think he's willing to let plays develop. I think that's sort of his supernatural strength. It's like he's getting back there. Even if he's pressured, he's still sticking with a guy who he thinks is going to get open. And a lot of rookies, when they don't see it quite right, they'll move on, they'll freak out, they'll take a sack, they'll make a bad play. None of that, to me, is what I'm seeing right now with C.J. Stroud. That, to me, is the number one thing that stands out. 
and the fact that they have some offensive weapons that a lot of people maybe just didn't see going forward. And that, to me, is like when you put it all together, you get some confidence because he sort of started really, really well and had a couple struggles of a game. Not struggles, but he's only thrown one interception. And yeah. then you move on to this pass game. That's it gets incredible. everyone looking. It's, in, it's insane. Yeah. Are they good enough to, to, to even make a challenge to the Jaguars? This year? No, I don't think so. I don't, I, don't, I don't think so this year. I think the Jaguars are far, far and away the better team. Doesn't mean that, that the Texans can't go on some crazy run, but I think overall, team-wise, yeah. in, in D'Amico Ryan's first year, I think he's done an excellent job. Like, this would be a, considered a, a great year, no matter what happens, because you found your quarterback of the future. That is the number one thing. That defense is just going to continue to get better under D'Amico, but I do think Jacksonville has the best team in that division by far right now. Yeah, and they're, they're on a little roll of their own. All right, time for rapid fire before we close out this show. You ready? Yeah. You ready? Here we go. First question I have for you is not on the producer list, so I'm calling a wild card. I'm calling an audible right off the top. After the Monday night game, Derwin James and Aaron Rodgers hug. Derwin James says, when you coming back, Aaron says, a couple of weeks or a few weeks. You believe it? You buying it? He's full of crud, right? There's no way. There's no way. I guarantee you A-Rodge was like, he saw the cameras in the background and was like, yeah, "Yeah, man, a couple weeks. Yeah, right. Maybe (laughs) if they're in playoff contention for the last two weeks, then maybe we might see it. I just can't imagine there's any scenario where he's going to be able to come back. Look, I want to be clear. If he does come back, awesome. Great story. I'm all for it. Logically, realistically, I can't get my head around it. It's never happened. And you mentioned them playoff condition, right? Uh, they, they, uh, play, can they play? They play the Raiders. That's a winnable game. They got to play the Bills. Uh, they've, they've, uh, that could be a problem. Uh, they've got the Dolphins. They got the Falcons. The Dolphins again. Then they got the Browns and the Patriots. Like it's going to take a lot for them to be in playoff contention. But they have a couple of winnable games, and maybe that spurs up the medical process. My only concern for Aaron, if he does that, like normally when you come back too fast, something else goes wrong really go wrong. quickly. Yes. Right. That's that's my only concern. All right. Give me your top tier quarterbacks right now. You, the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now to this day are. Yeah, I mean, it's in no order because I got – you know, we did this little ranking last time, and I'm not ready for ranking, but I say the top five to three are Patrick Mahomes. The way Lamar yeah. Jackson is playing is yep. up there. Joe Burrow, I still think Josh Allen is still in consideration. And then I don't know. Who, who, who would you put at five? Because well, those, those are the four – I mean, what, what about Tua? Tua? He leads the league in passing yards and passing touchdowns. I know. Okay? I, it's hard. It's just like, hard. But is he it leads the, the league in passing yards and passing touchdowns. Of course it's a system. Well, well, like, so like, of, mm. of, of, listen, that's a big part of it. Like, come on. He's got yeah. Waddle and frickin' Tyreek Hill. Like, I'm sorry. If Patrick Mahomes right. had Waddle and Tyreek Hill right now, he'd have 25 touchdown passes. Two that's it can be five. Two, but two but uh, you, can't, but you, can't, you can't discount what he's doing You're because right. that's, what you, right. that's what you want a quarterback to do when you have Run those the weapons is do, do yeah. the things he's doing, and he's doing it really well. I would agree yeah. with you. I don't think I'd even change the order. And I know no. Miami fans are freaking out, but yeah. win, a, win, a, win a big game, and then we'll talk yeah. about it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. first half MVP, who is it? Lamar Jackson. I, I, yeah. I think he is I agree. far and away the leader in the clubhouse, just what he was able to do. Um, and it just keeps getting better, too. Like, that's, that's the scary part within this offense. He's just going to keep getting better as the season progresses. Yeah. Uh, defensive player of the year. Man, this one's tough. Like, I almost feel like it has to be someone from Baltimore because they're just, like, far and away 
Like, like you don't give it to Roquan Smith because they never win. Um, yeah. Let's give it edge rusher maybe. I mean, Micah, Micah is, is playing at an unbelievable rate. I don't know. Who, who, what about you? I think I, I go with Micah Parsons. I, I think I would go with Micah Parsons because his versatility stands out for me. Um, if, if you wanted him to just be a, a linebacker, he'd lead the league in tackles. Yeah. If you wanted him just to be yeah. an edge rusher, he'd probably lead the league in sacks. I think Micah's versatility yep, probably like gives him. But the problem for his versatility, he's not going to get the numbers, right? And, yeah. and these awards so often are about numbers. But if you're numbers. asking me, if I'm building a defense around one player in the NFL, to me it's Micah Parsons and everybody else is second. He's the most valuable to your franchise, not the most stats. The most valuable, not most stat heavy. There, All right. I like that. Who, okay, I get, to, I get to ask you. The most okay. disappointing team in the NFL Giants. is? Giants. It's not even yeah, close. I mean, that's, it's, that's a, it's a joke. It's, a, it's an absolute joke. I mean, they're it's absolutely – they have gone from Bono to Bozo, like to quote, John, to quote yeah. John Mara, the owner. Like he called it in March, and that's exactly yeah. what's happened. The yeah. most pleasantly surprising team. This is an easy one for me. Lions for me. Because yeah. you have all this hoopla. Let's say, okay, this is interesting. It's not me. That's not my yeah. team. Go ahead. Okay, you have, you have all this hoopla surrounding this Detroit Lion, Dan Campbell, your biting kneecaps. And then what do you do on Thursday night? You start the, start the, the year off with a win against the defending Super Bowl champions, and then you continue to go uh, in the right direction. You had a couple falters early in the year, but – it's just been surprising because a lot of times people don't – a lot of times teams don't live up to their hype. So it's the yeah. Lions for me. To me, it's the Texans. Oh, okay. Uh, to me, All it's right. the yeah. – I, I, I did not think they would even be relevant. But look at, look at their draft picks. Look at all the rookies that are playing so well for them. And look yeah. at the young players. Collins, Dell, uh, you Del. know, everybody's doing – and Stroud has been unbelievable. D'Amico Ryans, to me – is, is, is doing an amazing job, I think, far and away. Because I, I had expectations for the Lions, and I hear what you're saying, yeah. but I, 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 ha I had them in that thought process. I did not think the Texans were going to be any good at all, and they've yeah. proved me wrong a hundred times over. Uh, so I have to give it to the Houston Texans. To me, they are the yeah. most surprising team in football like right now. All right, all right. finally, like coach, coach, uh, midseason coach of the year. Mid-season coach of the year? I mean, yeah. Harbaugh. It, it's, it's Harbaugh. It goes, with my, it goes with my Ravens. Like, it's Harbaugh for me because he's, he's always had it there in his, in, his, in his building. Like, they've always been really good. This season, for whatever reason, feels a lot different. What about you? Yeah. Uh, Taylor Swift. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my. It's, you just had to do it. We went a whole show 58 minutes without you on. saying her name. You say her my, name. I, I can't I can't ignore the obvious anymore. Look at have you seen these numbers? They're absolutely insane, and I I hate it. I hate Shins the fact that I'm doing this. this. No, he didn't. And he's probably he's probably dying laughing that I yeah, even did this. It. I was going to go with D'Amico Ryan's, but we just had the D'Amico Ryan's discussion. But it's insane the difference in the numbers between freaking Travis when she shows up and when she doesn't. And I'm trying to find the numbers real quick. I'm, can you tell I'm stalling? Here it is. Yeah, Travis yeah. Kelsey. Here what we are go. the numbers? Uh, with it, with Taylor Swift in attendance, the Chiefs are 4-0, averaging 28.5 points per game, 432 yards per game, and Kelsey has 108 receiving yards per game. Without Taylor Swift, they're 3-2 and two now, and he averages about 50 yards a game, and they score 18 points. Who's Ooh. a better coach than Taylor Swift right now? Come on. Taylor. <laughs> Swifty's out there. Taylor Swift, you're the, I, you're the girl. You're it. I, I, I had to do it. I don't believe any of that, but I had to do it anyway just yeah. for fun. All right, brother, good to talk to you. We'll kick it on the other side with the second half of the season.